So I hope uh, everybody had, um, if you were here this past week, um, had a, a declaration to share. Just just kind of as a as a quick review, um, the this this idea um, of creating um, a declaration is to begin the process of renewing your mind. Um, the, the enemy is slick and he likes to come at us. Um, I, I believe that the, the mind is a battlefield. Um, it's where all of our sin begins. It's where all of our defeated mentalities begin is when we start this thought process, um, that's contrary to what God wants us to believe. And so the purpose of a declaration is a quick, like one line statement that directly opposes um, something that you, that you know is not from the Lord, something that you know is not true. And so um, I, I was just sharing in, in my group over here that um, I've been doing this for about a month or so, and um, I've seen that the renewing of my mind process, uh, the time is shortening, it's, it's becoming quicker, and um, I'm seeing... Uh, I'm starting to recognize lies that the enemy tells me much faster um, because I'm speaking truth to myself over and over again, um, whether it's found in the word or whether it's something that, that maybe a, a mantra type thing that I've created that's based off of scripture. And, um, and so as we begin to speak those things to declare them, that's what you're doing. A declaration is basically... Um, putting a stake in the ground, you're declaring, this is my identity, this is who I am. And, uh, and so that's kind of how this thing starts rolling. So um, uh, keep that in mind. It's a good thing um, to, to create, and we'll, we'll do some more practice and work uh, with that kind of stuff um, in the coming days and weeks. Um, you'll be hearing me share about all that kind of stuff. So I want to um, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8, if you have it. If not, it'll be up on the screen. Um, uh, As we have been doing for the last few weeks, I want to speak some identity over us. Um, And uh, uh, this this week, I want to begin with this preface, uh, with the idea that God is good, okay? Um, We had a, uh, in in the Hope City family, I guess for lack of a, a better word, um, we had a, a tragedy that happened this past week. There was a young man that was, uh, that was killed in a car accident. And, uh, I, we opened our house here to the funeral and, um, got to have an opportunity to minister and share. And Scott and Bradley did an awesome job with that. And, um, it's in, it's in times like that, that, um, I think sometimes God's goodness comes into question. Um, when, when we start seeing tragedy and pain and death and, and all these different things. And, uh, and so, um, as we continue to unpack this idea that we are all a part of a family and that we operate, um, under a family mentality, I felt like that, that I wanted to seize this moment to talk about God's goodness and, and specifically to talk about God's goodness, uh, within the context of, of, of this, this family that, that we are um, becoming aware of, and more specifically, the fact that, that God is our Father. 
and we have a good father. Um, there, there, uh, maybe your experience with your father, your earthly father has not been good. Um, and if that's not the case, uh, I, I'm here to tell you that we, uh, have a father that is not like your earthly father. We have a, a good father. Um, if you have had a good relationship with your father and you, you get to hang out with a good father, I have a really good father. Um, so I get to see some of God's heart in how my father interacts with me. And so, um, if you do, uh, thank our heavenly father that you have that because it is a treasure and it is a prize. Um, so let's jump into Romans chapter eight and I want to unpack, uh, just some, some, some identity first as we go down this, this road of God being a good father. Okay. So in, in Romans, uh, chapter eight, verse 11, um, it says this, if the spirit capital S, which means Holy spirit, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Okay. Um, In short, that means that the Holy Spirit dwells where? In me, in you, the Holy Spirit takes residence, sets up shop in you, okay? You have the presence of the living God inside your mortal body. In this flesh and bone structure, we have the, the presence of the Holy Spirit, okay? Um, this, uh, in, in connection to this, what one of the imageries that that kind of popped into my mind as I was looking at this verse is okay so Jesus dies on the cross and goes into the grave physically right his physical flesh and blood self goes into the grave and then he rose 3 days later flesh and blood rose like, we know that that's true because when you look in the gospel accounts, you can read, uh, for instance, the one of Doubting Thomas, who says, until I touch his side, until I put my finger in it, until I see the holes in his hands and his feet, I will not believe, right? And so Jesus says, all right, that's cool. So he shows up one night, and Thomas is standing there, and Jesus is standing there, and Jesus says, hey, Thomas, here you go, bro. Touch me. Feel it. Right? So what was it that raised Jesus from the dead? The power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's empowering is what raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Okay? So what is it that... Do do we have access to the same power? Yes, we do. We have access to the same power of the Holy Spirit in our mortal bodies. In my flesh and blood, in your flesh and blood, we have access to the same. Okay, this also applies to our mortal relationships. It's not just that God heals physically in miracles, in, uh, in relieving cancer or taking away um, broken bones or so on and so forth. Like God does the miraculous there, but he also 
heals and repairs mortal relationships. How many of you would say that you have had broken relationships or maybe you currently have a broken relationship somewhere along the line? Maybe it's a mom or a dad or a business partner or this or that or so on and so forth. Guess what? Um, The power of the Holy Spirit is in the healing business. He's in the restoration business. And so what this verse is saying is that that thing which is wanting to die because it's from the flesh and it's got the enemy's signature all over it, it is wanting to lean into death um, through the power of the Holy Spirit, that flesh and blood relationship can actually be restored. Any flesh and blood relationship can be restored through the power of the Holy Spirit. It says that, that, um, that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies. That word life is so important there. It, it, the picture is literally God infusing himself into our mortal flesh. He did that when Jesus was raised from the dead. And guys, like one of the things that we've got to remember is that we're carriers of the power of the Holy Spirit. That means that not only do we have the ability to proclaim miracles in this uh, world that we're operating in, but we can heal relationships when the Holy Spirit's in charge. When the Holy Spirit's in charge, relationships can be healed. All relationships of any type. All right, so... So that's what we're carrying. We're carrying life around in the power of the Holy Spirit. Go on to uh, look at verse 14. It says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are what? Children. They're sons, children, sons, daughters of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry Abba, Father. All right, so Jesus bringing the revelation that God operates with us as a father is one of, a, is one of the like keystone revelations in all of Scripture. Okay, the Jews knew God as a father, but they knew him as El, or they knew him as Yahweh, and, and, and some of these names of God that you see in the Old Testament, a lot of them are very big and impersonal. Like the word Yahweh in, in the, uh, the Jewish context was so holy that they couldn't actually write the entire word. They only could write Y-H-W-H. They couldn't write the entire word because if, if you wrote the word Yahweh, it was considered a, a sin, because the word Yahweh was so holy and so powerful, they had such a high respect for this God that they served um, that uh, uh, they didn't even want to write it down. They just, just instead of doing uh, the vowels, they just did Y-H-W-H. Um, and so back in the Old Testament, the people of Israel knew God as a star-breathing God. They knew God as a big, powerful crush you in an instant type God. He was jealous. Yes, he was a jealous God. He was a powerful God. He was huge. 
He breathed the world into existence. And, uh, and, and, and if you go back through the Old Testament, you can read tons of verses where the people of Israel are literally scared to death when God shows up on the scene. Because mountains shake and thunder um, erupts and lightning strikes and all of these different things because God is a consuming, powerful God. So they knew him as this humongous, powerful God. But when Jesus shows up on the scene, he starts saying, my father does this, my father does that, talking personally. Like, I know this guy. I know him well. He's my father. And that was so different than anything else that the Israelites had experienced. Keep in mind, between the Old Testament and the New Testament, there were 400 years of silence. Nothing was written that was considered to be divine, uh, divinely authored by God's hand in 400 years. So all of a sudden, then Jesus shows up on the scene going, my father does this, my father does that. I do what my father does. Me and my father have a very interesting and passionate and loving relationship. So this was blowing the mind of the people of Israel. Some people thought he was crazy, and other people were very intrigued. But Jesus showed us what true sonship is. It's an intimate, personal relationship with this star-breathing God that we call Father that we can have access to an intimate relationship with through the power of the Holy Spirit. This is key. This is a shift in beginning to understand what a family relationship looks like. If all I knew about God was that he could smite me in an instant, what kind of relationship would that be? If I knew that, if that's the only thing that I knew about God as a father is that if he got ticked off, if he woke up on the wrong side of the bed, then I'm going to die today. You know what I'm saying? You know what, you know what kind of relationship I would have with God? I would be like, hey, God, um, I'm so sorry. Like, Lord, I, I, don't, I don't even know what I'm afraid of, or I, I don't even know why I'm going to, I'm just sorry. I don't even know, like, I'm just sorry. If I've ever done it, I'm just sorry. Unfortunately, that's the way I think some of us react. When we feel like we're in the presence of God, our immediate reaction is, God, I'm sorry for this. I'm sorry for that. I want to repent of this, repent of that, so on and so forth. I'm not saying that's wrong. But I, I, just, I just want to challenge and, and, and start thinking through this idea of being a, a son and a daughter to a loving God. Because this is what Jesus came for, to show us what true sonship looks like, what true daughtership looks like, to see that we have a loving God that is wanting to create a family culture. Okay? So... So look at this. It says, um, for all who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. In the Greek, all there means all. All right? Everybody. Everybody. Okay? Everybody who are led by the Spirit. That's key. Capital S, Spirit, means Holy Spirit, means we are led by the Spirit. And if we are led by the Spirit, then we are a son or a daughter of our Father. And listen to this. It says, you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Catch this, because this is important. It does say that we received a spirit of slavery. Catch this. Okay, because this is important. 
you did not receive the spirit of slavery to do what? To fall back into fear. If you back up to Romans chapter 6, it actually says, Paul says, I have become a slave to righteousness. I've become a slave to righteousness. Okay, so we were actually given a lowercase spirit. Are you trying to put that up on the screen? You would. You're so, you're so tech savvy. Um, it says lowercase spirit. We did not receive a lowercase spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, which means that we were given a spirit of slavery. All right, now let me, let me unpack this for just a moment. The word slavery in, in the Greek is the word doulos. And um, in, we have a, a really um, negative understanding of slavery, um, which slavery is wrong and bad. <laughs> like, I'm not trying to say it's not. Um, but in, in, in Bible time culture, um, there were different types of slavery. There were uh, tyrant masters that beat their slaves, and then there were masters that loved their slaves and treated them as part of the family. And if you were a doulos slave... In, in Bible time, what that meant is, um, uh, Keith, if you were my master and I was the slave, I would want to, I would become a doulos slave, which means I am a bond servant. So what I would do is I would go to the door of uh, my master Keith's house and I would take a nail and I would nail my ear to the door. And what that symbolized is I am now a part of this family and I'm not going away because I love how my master takes care of me. I love that he feeds me. I love that he provides for me. And so I'm going to give all of my rights over to my master. Okay? So what Paul, or what Paul is saying here is you didn't receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Go back to Romans chapter 6. He says, I'm a slave to righteousness. What righteousness is he talking about? Anybody know? No, close. The righteousness fulfilled through the law by Jesus. So catch this, all right? I've become a slave. I've set free from sin. So I willingly give my rights up to righteousness. You know what that means? Hey, Jesus, you're such a good master. (laughs) Hey, Jesus, you love me so much. You take care of everything for me. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to trade my righteousness in, which Isaiah says is filthy rags anyway. I'm going to trade in my crap righteousness. I'm sorry. uh, We can strike that from the recording. Um, I'm going to trade in my junk righteousness that is not worth anything because I can't keep the law anyway. And I'm going to come under the righteousness of Jesus Christ. I'm going to nail my ear to the door and become a slave to righteousness. Okay, now, we did not receive a lowercase spirit of slavery to fall into fear, right? That means the righteousness that my master Jesus provided for me is so good (laughs) that I willingly give it up. I willingly give my rights up, not because I'm afraid, but because I'm cared for. Now, are we meant to stay slaves? Oh, yes. No, maybe. What do you think? Okay. Yes. And something more. 
there's something more. We are friends. We are adopted sons and daughters. You see, this is where we get stuck sometimes. We get stuck in the slave to righteousness camp. Just being honest, there are a lot of churches around the world that operate like slave camps. And it's all about how you act and how much good you do and how much you read and how much you attend the services and how much you do this and that and so on and so forth. And, and, and it's a slave mentality. Well, guess what? Jesus didn't die for us to just be slaves. He died for us to be sons and to be daughters. He died for us to be adopted into a family. And so what God is trying to say through Paul as he's writing this is you didn't receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. You have received a capital S, Holy Spirit of adoption to be a son, to be a son. You see, slaves don't know the father's business, do they? Slaves don't know what the father's doing. Slaves are just told what to do, and they do it. Hey, now listen. If you want to be a slave in the house of God, there is no better place to be a slave. (laughs) If you want to be a slave in the house of God, you are more than welcome to. But there's so much more. There's so much more. God is inviting you to know the Father's business. He's inviting you to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to receive adoption as a son or as a daughter to know God and to know his business. This is why we preach miracles and why we talk about empowering and why we talk about these declarations and living in confidence without fear because you are given the opportunity through the power of the Holy Spirit to operate on behalf of God in this community. That's the offer on the table. Now, you can stay a slave if you want to, and you're going to go to heaven. But you don't have to. You don't have to. There's more. There's more. And I'm telling you, like, I've been in the slave camp for long enough, and I want more. I want more. I want to be a son. I want to know what it's like to be a son of a king. And so, it goes on. By the way, at this point, this is where the enemy tries to throw performance back in. He goes, man, now Jesus paid the price for you. You better keep going. (laughs) You better keep it going, right? Look at all this stuff that Jesus did. He lived this perfect sinless life for you. Now, Now, you better keep going. So many times we think that our faith gets us into salvation, but our works keeps us there. I don't understand that. I don't understand that. If it was my faith that saved me, why is it not my faith that keeps me in his house (laughs) why is it not his grace if it's his grace that saved me why is it not his grace that keeps me there right um by the way sort of a side note but i feel like it's very important um if you agree with fear you are stepping out of agreement with a son or a daughter mentality if you agree with fear Fear says, I don't know if I'm saved or not. I'm, I'm not sure. I, I, I messed up two weeks ago, so I mean, I don't know. Like, maybe I had it and maybe I, I didn't. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure. 
Um, I know Jesus saved me that one time, but I, I don't know. Like, I've been screwing up pretty bad. It's this waffling back and forth. Guess what? That's not from the Lord. That's a spirit of fear. You're still operating in the slave camp where it's still about performance. And the father is trying to say, hey, son, quit acting like a slave. I, I want to I tell you my business. I want, I want you to be a part of the family business. But instead, we are agreeing with fear and we're stepping out of agreement with, son, with our son or daughter mentality. So here's the deal. Yes. Yeah, must be about my father's business. There it is. That's it. I've got to be about my father's business. Here's the thing, guys. Um, you cannot choose to go somewhere without equally deciding to leave the place you're standing. Right? So here it is. I'm in the righteousness slave camp. I've become a slave to the righteousness of Jesus, which is awesome. It's, I'm, I'm telling you, like, it's, it's, it's freeing. I mean, Paul, Paul said it in um, Romans 6, but the more is I'm choosing to say thank you for this slave mentality or this slave identity that you've given me, but you're calling me to be a son, and so I want to step into adoption. I can't step into sonship without equally choosing to leave that mentality. You see what I'm saying? You, 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 have to, you have to step into sonship. It's a faith move. It is a faith move on our part to, to agree with the Father that you are a daughter and you are a son of the Father. You have to agree with that. If you don't, like that's one of those declarations, if that, doesn't, if that shift doesn't happen in your mind, then you're setting yourself up to live a questioning, fear-filled um, uh, not empowered life with the Holy Spirit. You've been given the Holy Spirit of adoption as a son. The Holy Spirit reminds us of our adoption. He reminds us of our son and our daughtership. On top of that, the Holy Spirit reminds us of our inheritance. If I was Bill Gates' son... Like, I know what's coming to me, right? Like, 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 this is the offer on the table. You've been invited to become an inheritor of the God of the universe, the creator, the star-breathing God, this huge, impersonal God that, that, that breathes stars into existence and planets into existence and, and that has the power of life itself. But yet he's so intimate that he wants to know you <laughs> and me. We've been given the freedom through the power of the Holy Spirit to receive not only adoption, but an inheritance in the kingdom. And when Jesus prayed for heaven to come to earth, that means that his kingdom is here and we can partake in the inheritance today. Guess what, guys? I, didn't know, I don't know if you knew this or not, but you can't save anybody. You can't, right? Like, listen, as much as I would want to give Braxton Jesus, you're saved, by the way, right? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Maybe tonight. I'm just kidding. As much as I would want to give Braxton Jesus, I can't. 
But you know what I can give him? I can give him parts of the inheritance. In 1 Peter 3, it says that, that we are to bless others because we are given a blessing. Our inheritance is to bless others. So as in my identity as a son and in your identity as a son and a daughter, you know what you are charged by the power of the Holy Spirit to do? I can't, I can't save Braxton, but if something's going on physically with him, I can lay my hands on him and believe that part of the inheritance that the Father has given me through healing, I can impart that to him. I can believe that if a marriage is in, is in shambles, that I can actually sit down with a couple and through the power of the Holy Spirit see the restoration of the couple. I can't save them, but I can give inheritance away. I can steward what God has given me by the power of the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? Like, are we tracking? Like, this, this, is, this is powerful. And on top of that, the Holy Spirit reminds us that God chose you. He chose you. If you were here at church on Sunday and Scott talked about uh, being in a pickup game with LeBron James, I would go with Stephen Curry personally. But like for real, if you were chosen first in a pickup game with NBA players, like, would that not do something for you? It's that, that like, like this, this, is what, this is what's happening. God chose you to be a son and a daughter. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He reminds us of our son and our daughtership. Think about that, knowing that you're a son and a daughter. Think about what that does for you. How many of you know um, that you have a mom and a dad, whether they are alive, whether you're separated from whatever, guess what? We all do. Surprise. We've all got one. The DNA test will not lie that you are a son or a daughter of your parents. The DNA test, when we become adopted into the family, the DNA test always proves through the power of the Holy Spirit, that we're sons and daughters. Knowing that we're a son and a daughter changes the game. Knowing that, that, that we are inheritors of a kingdom, that we're a child in the royal bloodline, it changes the game. So much so that it goes on in the, the, the last part of the verse, it says, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Abba. It wasn't just a band in the 70s, which I was not alive for. I've heard some songs. Abba is an Aramaic term, and it's essentially, um, it basically means daddy. It's a term of endearment. Um, if you have ever been to Israel... That was one of the things that blew my mind when I went there. And it, it's like when you go there, like little things start connecting dots. And, um, and I, was, I was there uh, several months back, and um, we went into this hotel. Uh, Robbie was there. And there was like 
tons and tons of little kids. And they were all running around acting crazy. And I kept hearing like these little like five, six, seven, eight-year-old little kids, snotty kids running around. I kept hearing, Abba, 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 Abba. And all of a sudden it was like that, that, just that one word connected to me. By him, like we, we call him Abba Father. It's a term that, that like a little kid uses. My children call me daddy. At some point that will change, right? They'll go to dad and then they'll go to Brent. <laughs> and then if they use any other term, I'll slap their face off. Daddy's a term of endearment. It's a term that children use. If you're an adult female in the room, it might be a, a term that you use to get something from your dad today. Right? <laughs> daddy. He's my daddy. It's a term of endearment. And, and, and what this is saying is that through Jesus and the empowering of the Holy Spirit, we go from this big and personal God that we can greet from afar to he's my daddy. And my daddy always beats up your daddy. Always. By him, we can call him Abba, Father. We're called to be childlike, not childish, by the way. Childlike, but not childish. Abba doesn't reveal himself so that we know more about him. He reveals himself so that we know him, so that we know his ways, so that we know who he is. You see, this, this Abba, Daddy, is inviting each and every one of us to crawl up into his lap and to snuggle. And I think sometimes as an adult that feels super uncomfortable. But wherever that safe place is for you, whether it was your, your um, dad or whether it's a adopted dad or whether it's, I don't know, whatever that safe place is for you, like, think about that. Like, I remember being a little kid crawling up into my dad's lap and just sitting with him, and I felt protected and safe, and I smelled him in a good way, <laughs> and I heard his voice, and, like, I remember, like, touching his face, and it was all gruffy and scruffy because he hadn't shaved in a few days, and, like, like those, those kind of memories, like, think back with me about your Abba Daddy, that place of safety. Wherever that is for you, it may not be your natural dad. But like, that's what he's, he's inviting us into, to crawl up in and, and sit on our daddy's lap and have an experience, to experience intimacy with the father. You see, now being a, um, a dad, it's those moments, not only do I long for them, but it's those moments when I sit down on the couch and my daughter comes up and sits in my lap. It's, that, it's those moments where I can just like, like stroke her hair and look at her beautiful face and go, honey, I love you. And like she'll lean in, you know what I'm saying, and like feel safe. Those are the teachable moments. Those are the moments where, where like her and I are experiencing a heart connection. And those are the teaching moments. 
those are the moments where even the, the worst discipline can come across like such a loving moment. You see what I'm saying? When my son or my daughter crawl up into my lap, even if they've been crazy all day long and driving me nuts, when they crawl up into my lap and we snuggle for a minute, I can say, hey, remember when you did that? And we can just talk about it. And in that moment, my daughter and my son are having a a moment with their daddy. It's not dad. It's not father. It's not Brent. It's daddy. Some of us need to have a moment with our daddy. Because uh, unfortunately, like when I look around, um, not not just this movement, not just this community, but when I look around the world, when I look around the United States, I see a lot of daddyless kids running around. And I'm not just talking about teenagers and 10-year-olds. I'm talking about 30 and 40 and 50-year-olds that are running around without a daddy. And they got no lap to sit on. And they got no voice to listen to. And they got nowhere to snuggle up. We are invited to experience our Abba Daddy And what's important in those moments when we snuggle up into the Abba's lap, those are the moments where things are caught, not taught. They're caught. I can say I love you all day long, but when I hug my child and I put his head close to my chest and he hears my heart beating, that moment, you can't teach that. You can catch it. There's a heart connection that's being established there. That's what we need. We need a daddy moment. We need to remember that we are the sons and daughters of a daddy God that is intimate and wants to know us through the power of his spirit. So, It's out of this identity. When we begin to understand my identity as a son and a daughter that knows an an Abba Daddy, it's out of that identity knowing that I've received a spirit, not of fear, but of adoption as a son. It's out of that identity that I can begin to embrace God's goodness. If I don't have that identity then the world will consume you and tell you God's not good. The world will consume you if you do not have the Spirit, capital S, son, daughter, adoption of the Abba Daddy, that you call him Abba and you crawl up in his lap and go, Daddy, I don't understand what just happened. I just saw a death this week, tragically. I don't understand that, Daddy. Like, can we hang out a minute? If you don't have that identity as a son or a daughter, then the world will consume you and you will not be able to say that God's a good God. So let's start there. Some of us need that moment. Like some of us need to just chew on that, okay? So if that's you in the room, you don't have to hear anything else that we say tonight. Just listen to that. Let the Holy Spirit do his thing in in this moment, okay? So let's just kind of hang out in this moment for a minute. Um, you guys doing okay? Uh, that got heavy. I didn't, I didn't. I wasn't anticipating the uh, the heaviness of that moment.
I think, uh, yeah, um, just being honest, um, I think, um, I think if we're all honest with ourselves, we all have some kind of daddy issues in one way, in one way, shape or form, right? Um, and as much as I like to think that that doesn't affect my understanding of God, it does to an extent. Um, has anybody got anything they want to share? Come on, girl. Here. I I did not have a good relationship with my dad when I was a kid. He wasn't around a lot. I have a great relationship with him now. He's I think my dad's 82. Um but I don't call my dad I don't call my dad father. Once I accepted and learned that God is my father, I call my dad dad or daddy. My father is God, and knowing that has carried me through some really, really dark times. Um, my thing that I wanted to share, I'm sorry, I'm just going to stand up and move to this corner, is um, about the spirit of adoption. And if, with your permission... Um, the spirit of adoption is deeply personal to me. If you know me and my husband, we have adopted our youngest two children. And so um, I can't help but see the spirit of adoption in a very um, tangible way. It's, it's not just an ethereal concept. It is a real thing. And so um, I was impressed last week, and I couldn't quite found the right moment and I was waiting to see what the Lord's timing was um but tonight I was kind of like wiggling my chair like I wonder if I'm gonna have the opportunity this week um but I feel um a strong desire to pray for anyone who wants to receive or um understand the spirit of adoption not that I'm standing here with any um any innate like gifting to be the one to pray for you but I feel the the theme of adoption has been through my whole life like it is something that I'm deeply passionate about and um and I don't I don't profess to like know everything about it or know all the answers what I do have is a passion for adoption a passion for people to love adoption a passion for people to know um that they're loved a passion for people to belong. Um, and so if you want to be prayed for, um, I will do that. My husband might might join me to pray for you. But what I want to say is that adoption is, there's so many, this is what the Lord was speaking to me tonight. There's so many ways um, we can receive that spirit. Because... Um, the Holy Spirit, the Father God, Daddy, his part is the hard part, really. He 
chooses to love us. He, I won't say hard because it's not hard for him, but it's, he's doing all the loving as far as like, he's ready, he's willing. We just have to accept it. And that's the hard part for us sometimes. Um, at first I was thinking about uh, adoption in the term, in the sense of a baby. A baby doesn't come into this world necessarily knowing who mom, who dad is. They just know who's going to love, like who is loving them, who's caring for them, and they respond to that. Okay? And so for my son Locke, um, I didn't know anything about him when they asked us to take him. I didn't know his medical history. I knew he was African-American, and that was about it. And we said yes. We opened our home to a child we'd never seen, never seen a picture of, and that's the spirit of adoption. Like, he just had to come and, and say, okay, these people love me, and they want me. Now, we fostered him for a year and a half before we got to adopt him. And that is another thing I want to talk about, is that the spirit of adoption was there that day that he came to our house. Even though the legal part of it, he wasn't legally adopted until much later. The spirit of adoption is what opened our hearts and our home to, to bring him in. And then Aaliyah, four months later. Um, so for him, the spirit of adoption was just somebody's bringing me to this house, social worker, and then these people love me and they're taking care of me. But then you see kids that are 14, 15, and they've been rejected and they've known rejection and they've been in a house and left and been in another house. And maybe that's you. And maybe you feel like, man, I've been rejected so many times. Why would God want to have me forever? Why would he want to put his mark on me? Why would he want to give me his, you know, signet ring? Why would he want me to be part of his family? I've been rejected. So that's the, you know, that's the spectrum. And maybe you're the beginning or the end or somewhere in between. Maybe you're, you know, skittish about the thought of would he really want me but I would just say to you like the analogy that I gave with Locke is like his love doesn't care what you look like doesn't care if you've got it all together when they brought Locke to our driveway I lean in and and the and the social worker says yeah um by the way he's got extra fingers and I almost passed out right there because I was like, it's overwhelming anyway. Um, so I was like, okay, we can deal with that. Um, and, of course, we did. And, and they're not there anymore, so don't look for them. Um, <laughs> but it didn't matter. It didn't matter how many fingers he had. Funny story, that night, the first night we had Locke, I look at Shane. We're laying in the bed. I said, I got it. This was before we had Aaliyah, but I said, "Here's a stat for you." <laughs> what was the stat? There's 42 fingers in this house tonight. That was the stat. But anyway, the 
he doesn't care if we have extra fingers. Like he doesn't care what we've what we're carrying, what we look like, what we feel like, where we've been. He's like, yeah, I want them. I want them. And so it doesn't matter where you are on that spectrum. And maybe your part is like, I don't feel worthy or I've been rejected or I've been hurt. But he wants you. He wants all of it. And so the spirit of adoption is not about the legal adoption my heart you know my mind says the day we get locked just guard your heart a little bit you know you never know he might go back and you don't want to get attached and that goes out the window like hour one minute five you're like yeah I don't want him to leave ever so the spirit of adoption is is powerful and it is is the love of the Father. And so I don't know what else you have, but at the end, I will be here if you want to be prayed for. Um, uh, I, was, I was just thinking about... Um, there's a passage in Romans uh, chapter 2. It says um, it's the kindness of the Father that leads us to repentance. Um, I think I think sometimes, like when, when we start talking about the, the daddy issues thing and the, the whole concept of him being, being our, our daddy, our Abba, um, there's this um, fear that can set in. And... Like we gotta squash that because it's it's his kindness, it's his goodness that leads us to that place where we wanna be with him. Not the other way around. It's not it's my repentance that leads to the Lord's kindness. It's his kindness that leads me into repentance. So we gotta like we gotta destroy this this and, and, and here's the thing, okay? So like this idea that God is a just God, guess what, newsflash, he is. <laughs> God is a just God. God is a God of judgment. I want to satisfy some people in the room um, uh, and, and, and even maybe uh, people in, in our community that, that talk about how we're, you know, all this grace and love and all this kind of stuff. Yes, we are. Um, but I want to tell you, God's a God of judgment. And God is a, a just God. And hear this, okay? Let me tell you where God places his judgment. God places his judgment. He aims his judgment on anything that keeps us from his love. God aims his judgment at anything that keeps us from his love and his grace. That's where his judgment falls. So if there's anything in your life <laughs> that is keeping you from experiencing the love and the grace of the Father, His judgment's going to fall on that. And as a follower of Jesus, I know that that judgment fell on Christ's shoulders when He died on the cross. So yes, our Abba Daddy is a just God. But He is headhunting 
anything that keeps us from his love. And it is his goodness, it is his kindness that leads us to that place of wanting to give back to him, wanting to repent, wanting to turn back. It's that understanding. So um, I, I want you to, to chew on this for a minute. Um, are you currently, there's a, uh, put that question, yeah. Are you currently believing anything that keeps you from knowing God as a good daddy? Is there anything that, that you are, um, like, and, and ask the Holy Spirit to lead you in this. Like, is there a belief? Is there a thought process? Is there something that is keeping you from fully being able to lean in and say, he's a good dad. He's my dad. He's my Abba. I get to sit in his lap and we get to hang out. I get to hear his voice. I know his business because I'm his son or I'm his daughter. Is there anything that is keeping you from knowing him that way? Man, I've got like 10,000 other things to talk about right now. Um, yeah, talk about it. Take a few minutes. Let's take five minutes and share. So technically, we have 10 minutes left. Can you guys hang for 10 more minutes? Is that a yes or a no? I got, I got, I got one more thing. So, um, maybe, maybe this week you need to marinate on this whole God is, is an Abba daddy. All right, so if that's where you're at, go there. Let the Holy Spirit lead you there. Um, maybe maybe you need to, to marinate on this idea that he's a good dad. Um, and, and if that's where you're at, stay there this week, okay? Open up, hey, Holy Spirit, I, 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 need, I need to receive how you are my Abba Daddy, okay? Um, for those of you who are, who are past like you're you're walking in victory in this. I, I want to give you something, okay? So so give me just a just just give me a snippet, just a few more minutes, um, because there's a there's there's one more thing as we keep going down this road of God being a good father, and it's this, okay? Under this banner of God being a good dad, um, it creates an opportunity and a culture of risk. Only under this banner, though. If, if we don't get this, our identity's off, and if we don't understand him as a good daddy, then, um, then, then risk uh, cannot be a part of, of our culture. Okay? But under, under, the, under the banner of, of, of our daddy being a good daddy, risk is not only a part of the culture, it's actually highly encouraged. <laughs> And what I mean by that is by it, what I mean by that is is steps of faith, steps of intense faith. Yes, Siri. 
Hey Siri. Anybody's phone turn? Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Um Okay, sorry. I gotta go quick fast. Sorry. Um totally ADD. Okay, so so under the banner of his goodness, risk is not only a part of the culture, it's highly encouraged, okay? Um, this, is, this is our faith in understanding our Abba Daddy. It's faith activated, okay? Because, like, just knowing that he's a good dad is one thing, but actually practicing the goodness of the Father is a whole different ballgame. Because, like I said earlier, you actually get to impart inheritance on people. You actually get to do things that are nuts in the world's eyes. I want to give you an extreme example of that. Jesus, in the Garden of Gethsemane, um, getting ready to give his life for us. He goes into the Garden, and in uh, the book of Mark, chapter 14, he goes, Mark fourteen thirty six. it says, what's that word right there? Abba, he says, hey, Daddy, Father, I know all things are possible for you. Please don't let me die. (laughs) Remove this cup from me, but not what I will, but your will. You see, good dads call us beyond what we're capable of doing. Good dads, and I know this is an extreme example because I'm talking about Jesus dying on the cross. <laughs> but but it, this is one of those rare moments where we see Jesus and God the Father having an Abba Daddy moment where he snuggles up to the Father and says, Hey, Dad, I really don't want to do this. But I'm going to snuggle into you, and I'm going to lean into your heartbeat, and we're going to have a heart connection for a minute, and, and whatever whatever you tell me is what I'm going to do. The, 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 the way that I liken that in, in my human brain, right, is um, I, I specifically remember the, the past few summers teaching my children to swim. And my kids stand up on the, the diving board or they stand on the side of the pool and, and they can't swim and they're looking, right? And I'm in the pool and I'm going, jump, son, you can do this. Jump, daughter, like, you can do this. And it's the same thing. <laughs> like in their mind, they're thinking, I'm going to die, right? I can't, I can't breathe underwater. And so they're standing, and they're like pacing, Daddy, are you sure? Daddy, are you sure? Are, are you sure that like, you're going to catch me? And I'm like, yes, I'm going to catch you. The first few times I catch them, boom, boom, I catch them. And then one time, I let them go under and come back up. Think about when you were learning how to swim, Right? Your, your daddy lets you go under, come back up. Think about when you're learning to ride a bike, right? Push, 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 and you're thinking that he's behind you, and you're riding on the bike, and all of a sudden you look back, and you're like way down, and he's like, oh, shoot, you know what I mean? I'm riding this bike. Sometimes our daddy God pushes us beyond what we're capable to experience the power of the Holy Spirit. Keep in mind, it's not for death. Jesus didn't lean into Abba Daddy because he knew he was going to die. He was leaning into Abba Daddy to be reminded of the resurrection. And that's us. We got to lean into our Abba Daddy, not because of, of, of knowing that we're not capable. We all know that. <laughs> we know we're not capable. 
We need to lean into Abba Daddy to be reminded of how capable He is and how capable the Holy Spirit is to empower us through whatever it is that we're experiencing. It's not for death. It's for resurrection, right? That's the goal of this thing. So under the banner of the goodness of our Abba Daddy, risk is a part of this culture. It's highly encouraged. It's faith activated. Sometimes we got to go to places that our flesh does not want to go. It might be something as simple as going over to the homeless guy on the corner and saying, God loves you, but your flesh is going, no, 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 don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. But I promise you, if you lean into Abba Daddy, he's going to go, give some of my inheritance away. Go bless him. And then you go to that place where your flesh doesn't want to go, and then you experience the Holy Spirit. I promise you, when your flesh dies, Holy Spirit can speak. He's got clarity. you got clarity in those moments. So risk is highly encouraged in this culture. Guys, I want to encourage you to dream big. I mean, dream big. Dream huge dreams. You know why? Because orphans don't have big dreams. Orphans are just trying to get out of poverty. (laughs) But we're not orphans. We're adopted sons and daughters of a king. So you got the freedom to dream. You can dream. So guys, here's the activation for this this week. And then we're going to pray and be done. What faith risk is Daddy God inspiring in you as His loved son and daughter? Whatever that is, do that. Now, maybe you're not there yet. Like I said, maybe you need to know about Abba Daddy. Maybe, maybe you, you need to, you, you got some daddy issues that you need to, to talk through with the Holy Spirit, talk through with some friends, walk through that. I get it. Go there. Do that. Maybe you need to be reminded of God's goodness. If that's you, lean into that. But if you know he's good and you know you're adopted and you get your sonship and your daughtership, you need to step into some risk. Jump into the deep end. It's encouraged. Mm. Yeah. So the, the, the risk is when you do it without hearing his word. Yeah. So if you hear God's word, then we got to bring life to go through. Yeah, that's it. That's right. That's good. That's good. Yeah, Shannon. I just want to take uh, adoption to a whole nother level. Um, what I mean is. In the Jewish culture, when you are adopted, you become a part of the bloodline. You are listed in the bloodline. If you catch this, this will change your life. I'm getting ready to ask a question to a dear friend that spoke, and I guarantee you the answer is not going to shock you, but if you get the revelation of it, it will. Shane and Becca, do you view your adopted son 
as being adopted or son. Exactly. That is the inheritance that we have. We are not just adopted. We are truly sons and daughters of Christ. Hey, Daddy God, thank you for um, meeting with us. Father, I pray that these thoughts would just continue to fill us this week, that your Holy Spirit would just go with us. Lord, I, I pray that your Spirit would just invade, infiltrate our minds and our hearts um, with these thoughts of how good you are and how you're our daddy and how we can lean into you. And, and, and that'll, that'll just lead us, God, into moves of faith. Father, thanks for your adoption. <laughs> we pray these things in Jesus' name and in the power of the Holy Spirit.